What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Dense Pixels Podcast. Micah, is it more stressful to platinum Elden Ring or raise a three-nager? Three-year-old. Yeah, three-nager. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Three-nager. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, I got, I, 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 quote unquote finished Elden Ring. Um, I started my new, uh, my new game plus, uh, cause it's just so fun, man. Uh, it really is. Apparently um, new game plus is a lot of fun in from games. At least the first one is because from what I understand is that every time you new game plus, um, the enemies scale up as well, but the first new game plus the scaling is not in their yeah. favor. Like, like they, 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 I think their, their HP doubles like, and the damage they put out like doubles, but you are further ahead of the curve than they are. So yeah. it's, um, so yeah, so apparently like your first new game plus is really fun because you can just go around wrecking shop. It, most people call it like the the Souls Revenge tour. The first yeah. new game plus. So. <laughs> <laughs> I um I started it today, and uh, I killed um the first three bosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wild because like you know what to do, you know where to go. Uh, you're immensely overpowered and, um, especially depending on your build and, um, and runes feel like they double Mm -hmm. and, um, it's fun, man. I, you know, now that I've, I've kind of, I haven't really gotten my fill of it, but, um, I can, I can kind of talk about it on a, on a more, intimate level i look man i really really like that game and i i have not been taken by a game like that in a very very long time uh i'm at like 120 hours and counting just playing just having fun just like adventuring and um when i finished it i i went back to a playthrough of uh cyberpunk 2077 that i had started before elden ring Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't do it. Like, it it just, it's not, it's not the same. Like the world feels uh, fake compared to Elden Ring. And um, it feels incredibly artificial. And with Elden Ring, like, it's, it's like they, it's like people treat you with, like you have a brain. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying I went through that game. I got a platinum, and the only way you can get a platinum in a in in the first playthrough is if you have a guide telling you how to do it. So I didn't I didn't go through it. Um, I didn't go through that game as without a guide, right? Mm-hmm. But it was my choice. Sometimes I just want to go adventuring, you know. Like sometimes, I'll, oh, here's some ruins that I haven't gone in let me uh let me go here let me oh you know what there's this town of sorcery that i didn't go to the first time in Kalid because what am i gonna do in a town of sorcery i got two katanas in my hand right i'll give so you uh, i'll give you the perfect example so like i was playing 
the other day and I was in Lemuria and I was, so I got to the lift, the, like the Dector lift or whatever it is, but I don't have both halves in the medallion yet. And there's like the old guy who's like, Oh, he's like, there's a tunnel and this out of the other thing. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this guy's talking about, but whatever. So I just go venturing. And so like, I see this part of the map. Now the mines in the game are, kind of called out on the map like they're this like little dark circle that you can see so like if you see that you can be relatively certain that it's probably a mine that you're venturing on and so i went to the mine or what i thought was a mine in the very top right corner of lemuria and i'm like oh, i was like i you know let me go uh you know let me go in this mine and you know clear it out real quick and get some crafting materials and this that or the other thing and when you go in there like it's it seems like kind of a kind of a like it, it seems like a, a generic mine when you when you do it and then like there's this ladder and it just keeps going up and then all of a sudden it's like oh you're on the like the rock shit like the rock side precipice or something like that i'm like oh this is like a legit like this is like a legit like mini dungeon essentially like this is like another castle morn basically so i'm like all right so and i was like let me see how far i can get in this and i ended up making it all the way to the end where you fight like this magma fucking like worm which which took me a couple tries because he was a pain in the ass and then you get past that part and then all of a sudden like you find this other lift and now you're at the atlas plateau and like holy and like that's (laughs) that's the kind of thing like it started as like oh this is just a mine and just kind of unfolded naturally into this like very specific you know like mini you know small like small dungeon area that got me to the next uh map area essentially yeah, man, like, there, and everybody has, like, a ton of stories of stuff like that, yeah. where it's just like, hey, like, what's this? And then I'll just go in, and 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 I'll kill an hour and a half trying to get through it, yeah. you know what I mean? And then there's some uber boss at the end of it, and it's like, shit, well, I'm kind of stuck. I wonder if anyone's here that can help. And, you know, if you're lucky, you can get somebody to help you. And uh, And if not... You can always come back like that game is um, that I've heard it compared to like, like a, a, a the, the developers are like a dungeon master and we are the players mm-hmm. trying to, you know, uh, uh, just, just adventuring and seeing what happens. Whereas, you know, like a Ubisoft open world game is just, this is how you do this. Go here, go here, go here, go here, go here. For and they, you know, the argument will be like, well, the Ubisoft games, the other other open world style games have a, a more crafted narrative, uh, which they might. Um, no, they do. Right. Like mm-hmm. like Elden Ring is incredibly obtuse. Um, they have quests that start at the beginning of the game that you literally can't finish until you reach like the land of the giants. You know what I mean? Like the, and the end game areas. So it's, it's, but those, but those quests are, are interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, like you're finally crafted narrative, like better be on point. And it's usually not if I'm being perfectly honest, because there's a game there that you have to tell, right? There, or there's a game there that you have to play, right? Like take Far Cry, for instance, right? Far Cry has an interesting story, but it's paced incredibly poorly because you get 
you know, you, okay, here's the start of this journey. And now you can either help one of three people and then like you, you lose the narrative and then you have to pick it back up again, which is the same thing as Elden Ring. Yeah. So well, and, and not really because like all, like the only narrative in Elden Ring, like your main objective is to become the Elden Lord. And to do it, you know, you have to kill like these five demigods essentially to get their their shard of shards of ring that they have. That's right. the only like plot setup that exists in the game. Like that's the that's your singular focus from from the get go. And kind of to your point, like you talk about like in you uh, like a Ubisoft type of world game. Yeah, you have this main narrative which might have some twists and turns and you know some interesting twist you know twists in the tail. But not only do you not only is it paced poorly and you're doing a lot of stuff that doesn't really work towards it. But on top of that, you have like 30 other sub narratives that are going on in side quests and none, none of like, maybe if you're lucky one or two tell a compelling story over the course of like two to three missions. Like I'd rather have like, this kind of feels like the, like Skyrim with the breaks kind of off. Like, you know, how Skyrim has like the main quest, but then you also have like the guild quest lines, which are a little bit longer and more drawn out and actually tell like a fuller story than just like the fetch side quest. Like I almost would rather have a game with the main throughway and then like six or seven other side stories, but that are actually crafted well, that are actually like drawn out over a number of hours in the game. Like right now I'm trying to find like the, the city, the, the city, uh, the lost city or the city in the start, not a uh, knock whatever it is. And like, that is a quest line that you, you know, happen upon intentionally because you have to go through a very specific part of the map to get to the quest giver. Um, but, ne- but it's kind of like, all right, go talk to these few people and get some more information. And I know what I have to do to advance the quest. I also know that I'm not ready to do that yet. Like I'm not, I'm not well equipped enough yet to go take on uh scar scourge, <laughs> star scourge yeah. rod in, in, in the giant field. So like, that's fine. Like I'll put it on the back burner, but then I know that when I eventually fight him and beat him, that I'll get to probably see something really cool. Like in this entire other part of the world map that exists, that, that you're completely unaware of for like the first 20 hours of the game. Like that one quest fundamentally changes the map. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's, it's wild, man. And, um, but yeah, like I like the option. I like the option of, Hey, we're just going to put you in this world. And there's a sense of discovery there that most modern games don't have. Right. And there's a feeling that there's a feeling of progression that, that feels, um, different right like be and i think it's because you like you really get your ass kicked mm-hmm. in the beginning like when you first see that tree sentinel like that's your wake-up call <laughs> yeah, you're like, like let me stroll over <laughs> this fellow and give him a couple whacks on the rump with my blade and then like, right, you get stomped right. out and you're like oh maybe i'm not supposed to fight this guy right <laughs> like that's your first real wake-up call like yeah. the first boss you fight like when you come out of the tomb or whatever like you're supposed to die then right yeah. but like the tree sentinel you're not supposed to die right and that's your first real wake-up call like oh shit i gotta get good but it's not like i gotta get good by like 
you know, I got to gain experience by stomping on ants for 150 hours yeah. before I can finally get past this. No, like there are other things to do. Like it's, it's a, it's a it's an incredibly well designed game. It's it's the best open world game that I've ever played. And keep in mind, I'm still in like the honeymoon phase of this, right? Like I, you know, recency bias and all that. But I I think it's the best open world game that I've ever played. And I'm including like Rockstar games and and stuff like that. Like it's just everything everything is is on point and. The the lore is is interesting if you can like get into it. Yeah, there. I mean, there, there's a lot of subtext in the game. Like, I, like one of the things that I thought was really cool is that there's like a small mission where, you know, you can you you, you come across this you know traveler on the side of the road, and she's like, hey, he's like my father is still is is in this castle, and he's trying to defend it, but he really needs to get the hell out of there. Can you go help him? And so you go, you know, run into her father and you're, and he's like, Hey, you know, if you see my daughter, give her this note, like, I'm going to, I will leave here. Like I promise, like, it'll be fine. And then like, when you go back to the daughter, like you find out that somebody killed her. And so it's like, well, that's fucking unfortunate. And then later on in the game, you come across this area and the father like spawns in as a hostile NPC that you fight. Um, just because like he's been like driven mad and grief stricken and he thinks that you're responsible for his daughter's death because like he sent you to go talk to her and then all of a sudden she dies. And there's no like it's not like there's a cut scene that, you know, where you see him like, oh, it was you like and or, there's you know, anything like that. Like you're meant to infer it from the story beats that they do give you. Yeah. Like it's it's not it's not supposed to be, you know, it's not supposed to be as obvious and that's fine. And and there's some people that might not even see that quest because if you don't talk to the one NPC to start it, then you might not even might even get there. The other thing too, that I find interesting about Elden Ring is that it is a great bit of proof to not believe any discourse that you see on the internet, because to <laughs> hear people that talk about from games and not be, and, and mostly weirdly enough for people that don't play them, I don't think, but to hear people talk about from games, like you think that like, Oh, like these games demand the most expert precision. These games require you to be a gamer at the top of your, at the top of your skill set, And every input must be, must be note perfect and, and, and frame perfect in order for you to beat some of these bosses. That's not true at all. No, <laughs> trust me. You can't, you can play the game that way. If you, if you choose to, but from software games, and this goes back to the Souls games, give you so many tools in your tool chest that you have available to you in order to overcome these bosses and, and these and these difficult fights. It's, the only difference is that you don't have like fodder. Like you like every enemy that you come across has to be, you know, you can't you can't just fucking button mash your way through, you know, trash mobs. Like like you have to still fight with purpose. But I'm still one shotting like the fucking like zombie dudes that are or the like the whatever, whatever this game's version of the hollowed hollowed is um, <laughs> like I'm still like one shotting those guys. Like I just have to not act like an asshole when I do it. And like the sorcerers in the academy, like I can still, you know, beat them pretty easily, but I can't just, you know, tank these glintstone shot like the, the spells yeah. that they're going to that they're going to throw at me. And like 
you can summon help. Bosses have like elemental weaknesses that you can exploit. And it might require you to find so- find something you don't have or go grind some levels to get your strength up. But all this stuff, but you don't have to be perfect. Like I, I, I was watching a video essay on the Souls games and he talks about like hit points, like having, you know, we're putting points into vigor in these games is not doesn't help you win. It gives you a larger margin of error. Like there are people that like can have low vigor builds because they're highly skilled because they don't take a lot of hits. But if you're not as highly skilled, you might want to put some points into vigor so that you have more room to make mistakes in order to to conquer these battles and things of that nature. So I will tell anyone out there if you unless you are just like the worst gamer of all time and just and just like completely incompetent when it comes to like action games and you've been like curious about the soul series but haven't wanted to give it a try for fear that like it's, it's beyond your abilities. Probably not true. <laughs> like probably no. not true. I'm living proof. <laughs> I like games, but I am not good at them. I'm yeah. really not. And, uh, but I'm having a, I'm, I'm having a, I'm still having a blast playing this game. I don't know if I'm going to make it to seven thirteen, right? Level seven thirteen because like, you know, it, it costs about, Costs about six hundred thousand runes to get one level now, <laughs> so it's you know every point is a. <laughs> I'm really thinking about it, but um, I'll do the I'll I'll complete it for a second time because I because I as much as like the bosses aren't hard right they just hit hard and like you said mm-hmm. like you they they have easy patterns right like you can figure them out they're not terribly difficult you just have to. You just have to like some you just have to get better at your position, right? Like everyone's making a big deal about uh, Millennia being a a really hard boss. She's not really hard. She's really cheap, right? Like she she does. She has a lot of tricks that she can use and she hits like a truck. And and that's the thing. Like you just have to you have to figure out it's, it's like a puzzle and you have to figure out. Uh, how to how to solve that puzzle? But like you said, you see people walking around level one beating the game, yeah, because you know, like because they figured out the puzzle. And look, a lot of that like, that's just showing off, and a lot of that is execution, <laughs> right? But you can do you can focus on execution when you when you already know the puzzle, yeah. So yeah, man, it look. I don't see I, I I've looked at a list of upcoming games. I really don't see how any other game is gonna take my game of the my personal game of the year. But uh you know, all of you developers are on notice. Get ready for uh a bunch of um uh uh Elden Ring clones, right? But like but they're not gonna be as well done. Like like they're, no, they're like not. it's it's not they're a absolutely not. That's it's, not it's not a you formula can just you can put together throw together you know what i mean well that's the thing like it's not a formula like 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 from this is the byproduct of this company making games i mean they, they've been making games for a very long time but especially since 2009 when demon souls came out like this is just the evolution of that souls formula that they've learned you know crafted and learned and and also experimented with some side projects like bloodborne and sekiro are very different from the souls games even though they're in the same family and this is kind of like the culmination of all those lessons learned 
uh, throughout those games. Like they've, they found a way to make a game that still stays true to its heritage, but is still accessible and, and easier for people to kind of find their way into than some of their older games were. Yeah, man. Uh, look, you're going to, uh, developers and publishers, they're just going to see 12 million copies sold in a month. And they're yeah. going to be like, and there's oh, be like, oh, oh people just want open world games without, without icons. That's all they want. Right. Like, people like, want open, people want open world <laughs> games with, with uh, two stories and SNK bosses. Let's just make them, let's just give them hard bosses, <laughs> hard bosses one after another. And it's like, nah, that's, you're not getting it, man. Like <laughs> that's that's not. What I can't. I can't wait to see Ubisoft take a stab at, at their version of <laughs> their version of Elden Ring. Except it'll be like it'll be like the next Ghost Recon game. So it'll just be like like completely miss like a lot of the uh, purpose. Like well, like, like yeah, the lot tons of different play styles. Like there's like twelve different guns you can use to, to do different <laughs> things. <laughs> so it's uh. <laughs> yeah it's like you said there's gonna be a lot of clones but um i i'm more excited to see i i suppose it's too late for breath of the wild 2 to really incorporate anything they'd have learned from yeah seeing from from seeing elden ring um not and not that it needs to like breath of the wild was massively successful on its own and i'm sure the second one's gonna be just as successful so right. um micah the king is dead long live the king uh, Jeff Keeley single-handedly that in, uh, you know, a two year global pandemic has single-handedly murdered the electronic entertainment expo, uh, which at least for 2022 has been canceled entirely. Uh, even though they had already planned on doing a digital only showcase version of the show uh, this year, uh, they said that, Quote, we're going to devote all of our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer, uh, which I don't necessarily 100% believe because Jeff Keighley, merely by being, and I think Jeff Grubb said this on, on Games Be Decide, but but I will I will steal from him, merely by being a, comp, a competent, you know, exhibitor has basically killed E3 uh, and their massive incompetence. Yeah. uh, Look, you better put some respect on Jeff Keighley's name, even though (laughs) he spells it weird. Um, uh, I mean, look, I've never been to an E3. I, 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 I would imagine that E3 is a real pain in the ass to, um, to, to attend, uh, especially if you have to work. It's uh, it's so funny because I, I saw an anecdote. Um, so Dan, you know Dan Shu, who used to be the EIC of of EGM, but he works for Blizzard now, and so he's seen E three from both from both angles essentially. And so he, a friend of his said, like I remember running into Dan Shu at E three in twenty nineteen, the the last one that was in, that was in person. So I guess it might have been twenty twenty. Um, and he's like, and he's like, oh, how's it going? And he's like, oh my god, it's so much worse from this side of it. He's like, he's like, he's like as bad as it was from the, from the, from the media side. It's so much worse from the exhibitor side. <laughs> so yeah, it's imagine, hard, hard all the way around. Some people were lamenting that the importance of E3 is still as like a developer show, 
and to allow people, you know, one of the few opportunities that they have to network together and to and, you know, to all be in the same kind of place when there's the epicenter of, of gaming going on. Personally, I think that enough big players had broken off from E3 already to this point. Like, you know, Sony was, had already been like fuck off and Nintendo had been like fuck off for many years. So enough people, enough of the big players had already kind of broken off EA, another one. Um, that was the value of that still actually there. Like, like obviously like a lot of the smaller indie developers could still coalesce around that, but there's lots of shows still that are much more fondly put together, you know, much, much more fondly admired and much better put together and things like packs and things of that nature that I feel like that those opportunities will still exist. But that's probably the biggest loss for E3 is just that networking uh, capability that a lot of folks are, are losing. I'm not a big con guy personally, so I'll, like, I'm not I'm not upset to see it go. That's uh cons are a young person's game, man. Yeah. I just I can't, um, you know, I, I've done it. I'll probably never do it again unless like my kids are, are into it. You know what I mean? But like, it's a pain. It really is a pain. And that's just, um, that's just going as like a regular person. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like I'm not saying don't do it. Right. Cause I had a good time when I went, but like, it's, it's a work day and I, and I'm, and I, and I wasn't working, uh, <laughs> not real work. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was inevitable. The, the end of E3, I think, um, like you said, the, the big players realize, Hey, we can, uh, like, like, you know, ostracized wrestlers, we can, we can control our narrative, (laughs) right? (laughs) <laughs> and we can we can we can present you the the vertical slices that we want to present you in a way that we want to present them it doesn't necessarily have look i love state of play i love uh i love uh nintendo direct i don't love nintendo directs but i love the format of the nintendo direct um i get all the information i need in like a sizzle reel i don't have somebody getting up there making Stupid jokes, calling themselves Mr. Coffee and all that shit, right? Like, I don't have C-list celebrities trying to, you know, make jokes and shit, like, like who are clearly there because, like, it's a paycheck. Like, so, yeah, it was it was inevitable. And, um, yeah, long live, uh, long live Summer Games Fest or whatever it's called. I will say <laughs> the, the, ner- the nerd in me will miss the... Uh- like the business side of the presentations a little bit. I like seeing all like the figures and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And look, well, some, yeah. So some, some of the coolest moments were in like the nerdy, you know, like no one will ever forget the 2013, you know, PS4 dropping bombs on, on Xbox <laughs> from, from earlier in the day. How do you, how do you, how, here's how you trade games with your friends. <laughs> Like, oh, okay. <laughs> God, can you believe that was nine years ago now at this point? Oh, shit, man. <laughs> it's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. I mean, meanwhile, there's a card in, in Grand Turismo 7 that has like PlayStation branding on it, but it's it's got like a PS4 logo. I'm like, oh, they couldn't even like upgrade it to PS5s like the fucking bastards. <laughs> so they put this ancient console on there. Craziness. That's hilarious. 
so yeah, so Summer Games Fest, which which I also appreciate because I feel like that Summer Games Fest, even though they have like the one big weekend um, where like Games Fest Live happens or whatever the fuck Jeff Keighley calls that, it, it does feel like that it is spread out across the summer a little bit more so that I don't have to literally take time off of work to absorb all the goings-ons that are happening. Yeah. So, Yeah, it's not happening at uh, – it's not all crammed in one day and – yeah, yeah. So Terrence went to an E three once. He said mm. he had a good time. Um, but well, he yeah, I, but he he also went before it was open to the public, which I think if I was not going to yeah. go as press, um, that is how I'd want to experience it because not only am I not a con guy in general, um, I'm also not a stand and wait in line guy. Yeah, you yeah, that's you and him, boy. Yeah. He's like, forget this. <laughs> well, cause like like the rational part of my brain can't separate the experience from what the experience is. Like I'm not gonna sit in a line to play, you know, for, for two hours to play a ten minute demo of a game that's gonna be released in three months. Like that's stupid. Like right. like I can't I can't right. I can't fathom how dumb that is to, to I, do uh, that. Jay and I sat, Jay and I stood in a line for 10 hours to sit in a room for six hours. Like, like yeah. I can't do that shit anymore, man. I just can't. But, it, but at least like in the six hours that you were in the room, like you got to live experiences that were like somewhat once in a lifetime. Like you got to yeah. see pa- people talk and, and see panels that, you know, even though they were talking about something that was going to be happening later on anyway. Like you still, like the discussion was still not yeah. replicable. Like I, I'm literally talking about like playing the vertical slice of a video game that I'm, I'm just going to be playing in three <laughs> months anyway. <laughs> so I'm just like, that's not two hours of time well spent to sit in this line, to play this thing that I'm going to play again, uh, except with more context and greater skill later on. <laughs> Oh man. Um if you uh if you want to talk about uh Elden Ring or E3 or you have fond memories of of E3s uh you know uh, in college skip a class so that you can see the uh the Microsoft presser go to uh go to nspizzles.com/fans and and talk about it in our Discord. Um there's a bunch of stuff you can talk about. I wanted to start that F1 uh, uh, show, but I haven't had a chance to yet. Too much, too much uh, Elden Ring. Too much Elden Ring, man. Too much <laughs> Elden Ring. Now that I've now that I have uh, completed the story, I I think I can ease up a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't know what else I'm going to play after that. Uh, anyway, go to densepizzles.com/slash fans and be invited to our Discord. That's that's the whole point of that sentence. Um, go to youtube.com slash dense pixels and subscribe, uh, hit the like button, hit the, uh, bell notification button to be notified of when this show, uh, hits YouTube, uh, subscribe to all of the TMP studios podcasts, including the nerd apocalypse, black on black cinema, coming distractions and the weekly preview episode of the look forward political podcast, uh, and go to densepixels.com slash premium. Uh, and give us either $5 a month or $50 for a year uh, to get access to our back catalog of all of the premium content, including uh, the airing of grievances uh, where Jay and I discussed uh, the, the first seven seasons of Seinfeld are uh, 
um, in the can. Uh, so listen to all of those. And then by the time you're finished listening to those, we'll get started on season eight. Um, no time to bleed the men with the golden tongues upstage conversation and the entire, uh, episode of the look forward political podcast at densepixel.com slash premium. So last week, um, heart machine partnered with G4 to announce their new game that's coming out, which is a spiritual sequel to Hyperlight drifter, which is called Hyperlight's uh, breaker if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it was a great excuse for me. To finally go back and play Hyperlight Drifter, a game that I bought several months ago when it was on sale on the Nintendo Switch that I've heard many, many good things about in terms of it being one of the finest uh, indie games ever made, uh, but I never played it. And so I started Hyperlight Drifter uh, over the weekend, and I beat Hyperlight Drifter <laughs> over the weekend. Now, not as crazy a feat as you may think from hearing that because the game's only like five or six hours long. Like it's not a super long game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it is a very good game. I think that I would have been more amazed by it. Had I played it in 2016 when it first released, because when you play hyperlight drifter, um, it's very obvious. Some of the games that have come since then that it inspired that have done it in a much more polished uh, manner. Not that Hyperlight Drifter is unpolished by any stretch of the imagination, but like you could definitely tell in playing this game that everyone at Supergiant Games played this game and were like, and this definitely inspired Hades, at least as far as like the gameplay perspective of it goes. Um, the the game unfolds like this. You are a uh, the titular drifter uh, in this world that has been uh, brought down by some kind of cataclysm. Uh, that still kind of remains as a pox among the land. And you have to go explore these four unique areas. Uh, it's a top-down action-adventure game uh, with very fast combat. You have a sword that you can use uh, to slash with. Uh, you can dash around the game board, and then you have an assortment of guns uh, that you can equip to do ranged attacks. And that's kind of it. Like, you can upgrade your abilities throughout the game uh, through pickups that you get, that you can then cash in at like the central hub to get new abilities that you can do with your sword or extra ammo with your guns or things of that nature. Um, but it's pretty bare bones. Not only is it bare bones kind of in the gameplay and how, and it's very simple um, gameplay, but the story is told in a very interesting fashion. So there is no, exposition there's no even text in the game like the only text that's in the game is the tutorial button prompts that you get when you first start playing so the like you know press b to dash press y to slash that kind of shit all of the story is told through these kind of like flashback s cutscenes um it's told through the environment that you see in the in these different areas that you go to uh, some of the NPCs that you can roll up to in the game, when you talk to them, they don't speak. They You instead see these like still images that kind of tell a small story about how, you know, they got to where they are. It's not a game that like there's a lot of people that talk about this game philosophically. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's a lot of philosophical like point to this game. It tells a specific story. It's just told in a very interpretive fashion um, uh, where it's not, it's not spelled out for you. Um, okay. 
that being said, the game is really fun to play. Um, the combat is tough, but it's but it doesn't quite cross into like you know like frustratingly difficult. Like it just again requires a little bit more precision. You can't dash like a maniac. You have to learn how the enemies attack, and you have to learn how to best evade them, um, and which methods work best against them. Like when it's better to use a range attack, and when it's better to use a you know to get up close and slash, and then and then dart away. Um, but again, it, I, I was, I was kind of glued to it. Um, I didn't really want to put it down. Like it, it definitely has a, you know, well, I'll just go to this next area. I'll just go to this next room kind of, kind of vibe to it because the, the, the chunks of gameplay are broken up, uh, into pretty manageable segments. So like you don't go, you know, more than five, 10 minutes without getting to a point where you feel comfortable, like dipping off the game if you need to. So like that all that in turn makes it easier to stay on the game for, for, you know, for just one more kind of thing. Um, it's an excellent game. Highly recommend checking it out. If you're a fan of, uh, those action games, especially if you played stuff like Hades and things of that nature, um, because again, Hades very much was inspired by this game unsighted. If you guys played that very much inspired by this game, um, there's a lot of games that have come in the past couple of years that when you play Hyperlight Drifter, you'd be like, oh, this game definitely, definitely like played Hyperlight Drifter because it kind of it's 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 not inventing the genre, but it definitely did um, put a pretty good sheen on it. And it's got an interesting development story. The the guy that heads up the studio um, has had some chronic health problems throughout his life, and that's kind of exhibited in a way in the character in the game as well, which makes it kind of cool. Um, so yeah, so this was fun. I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm going to go back and like hundred percent the game. Cause there's definitely a lot of extra optional stuff you can do in the game if you want. Um, but I, I, I am excited to see what's coming next from, from the studio. This is also the same studio that made uh solar ash that came out on PS five last year. So. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, for the second show in a row, uh, it might be not second show in a row. For the second time in several weeks, uh, there's news coming out about potential turmoil at another Microsoft game studio. Uh, this mm. time at Undead Labs, who are the developers of the State of Decay series. Uh, Kotaku published a report that included allegations of sexism and mismanagement at the uh, at the studio and paint a picture of a game project which is struggling to get off the ground several years after its official reveal. Mm-mm. I got to tell you we take for granted how smooth at least on the surface things seem to run at Sony's big first party studios. Because like I said, this is this is already the second story that we're seeing um, of a Microsoft studio having troubles, you know, moon studios who Microsoft worked closely with for the Ori games had troubles. Um, you know, e- even studios like Ninja theory who, you know, came out with this new like melee combat game, like bleeding edge lasted for how long? Like it didn't even, I don't even know if that game officially I, released. I don't even remember that game. <laughs> right. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, so apparently Undead Labs having some issue uh, right now. Uh, according, here's a quote from a staff member: uh, When they were acquired by Microsoft, uh, we were afraid they would come in and change our culture, but our collapse came from within, and we could have actually used Microsoft's help. Oh, 
to that's uh that's that's not what I was expecting. Yeah, kind of kind of the opposite of how of how that usually goes. Yeah, um, but yeah, so it's unfortunate to hear this. Um, but again, this is the kind of the growing pains that people don't talk about amidst the excitement of acquiring all these studios. Is you never you don't know what you're getting, especially with more inexperienced studios sometimes. And Undead Labs, as far as I am aware are really only known for the state of decay games. And the problem sometimes with smaller studios when they get pushed into more ambitious projects is that they don't have the infrastructure or they don't have the management or just the talent sometimes to kind of do this. And I'm not saying that any of this directed at Undead Labs specifically, but we've seen this many times before where small studios make have a challenge to, you know, tackle more ambitious things as time goes along. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, uh, I don't take any like glee or schadenfreude in, in this. This sucks, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not a, you know, big state of decay fan. Uh, I hope any issues kind of get resolved. Yeah, I was not expecting like, Hey, we could have used my, we thought, we thought Microsoft was here to save us, uh, from, from this type of culture. Um, I guess that is a testament to Microsoft's, uh, place in the industry, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like people think highly of them and it's probably because, uh, they run a, they run a a smooth ship. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I hope, uh, I hope things work out. Yeah, more to come on that. Um, they're not not all peaches and cream at PlayStation, though. A developer uh, that worked on Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart uh, spoke out after she felt she had been erased uh, from the development of Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart um, because Insomniac's uh, Mark Stewart, who's the lead designer of the game, did a talk at GDC uh, and kind of glossed over people's contributions to the um, to the rivet character in the game. Uh, Sam Maggs was the writer uh, that went on Twitter to express her frustration um, talking about how she was heavily involved in the character creation process. Um, but I think she gets to the point that I'd rather, that I'd rather focus on. Um, and she, and I'm going to quote her words entirely here. Uh, this speaks to a broader issue of game developers being entirely erased from the narrative of their own work. Once they leave a studio, I'm not even credited as a writer on the game, despite dedicating a year and a half of my life to it and creating rivets personality from scratch. So basically what she's talking about is it is common practice in the games industry that the people whose name makes it into the credits of the game are typically the people who are working at the studio when the game is shipped. So if you work, if so like, let's say a game takes five years to develop and Micah, you know, is, is a, is a, is a lead writer on this project and he leaves two and a half years into the process. Well, even though Micah did a ton of work to contribute to this game's story and to, and to the development of the game, Micah's probably not going to be credited as the lead writer or a writer uh, in this game, uh, Sam Eggs does mention that she was credited in the special thanks section of the uh, game credits. So not not excised entirely. But if you were a writer in the industry, um, 
having, you know, being in the credits in the game, being accredited and, you know, having writer next to next to your name in the game, I feel like is better for your resume and better yeah. for your overall body of work than just, you know, being mentioned in the special thanks. And then you have to sit there and explain um, what what they did. Um, I was give, given, you know, I find this talk pretty interesting because I don't know too many industries where people who contribute mightily on projects aren't credited for them. And now it's kind of a unique thing, right? Because there's not too many industries out there that give public accreditation for work done on a project of some kind. Um, Most people aren't leaving movies, you know, halfway through the production process. So like, I don't even know if that's a really one-to-one comparison. Yeah. The only, um, the only comparison I can think of is, um, is when an artist, uh, or creator comes up with a character Mm -hmm. while under, while under the banner of a Marvel or DC and like, like the Disney shows have been getting flack for this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the characters that shows that have a a specific look um that a that a certain artist came up with and they're not necessarily given you know they i think they got a special special thanks to this person and but like they they took the entire look and feel of this character from this run like whole mm. cloth right like the 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 person who created the winter soldier um the winter soldier is not a not a not a old creation right he's relatively new um and everyone knows who the winter soldier is but no one knows who created that comic book character so it's and 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 the person who created that character does not get like compensation uh, any additional compensation? They were no royalties for, or anything like that. No royalties. Yeah. yeah, they they were compensated for the work that they did while under the Marvel banner. But like, hey, thanks for thanks for creating Master Chief Bungie. Now we're gonna you know make a TV show of it, and you're not gonna see any of that, right? Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you know, I I understand where the company is coming from. Like we paid a mercenary to create something for <laughs> us. Like I'm not going to continue to pay the motion, the mercenary, right? Like there's this, this movie called four brothers, right? Right. The villain is like you hire out of town shooters so that they go out of town when the job's done, like go away. Like I'm not going to keep you on the payroll. Like you did a job. Good. Now go away. At the same time, like I understand what it's like to be a creative. Mm-hmm. I understand what it's like to, to it's guys, it's really hard creating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it is, man. Like, like true geniuses and savants can just come up with things on the fly. No, nah, man, like creating something, especially like a carrot, like a fully formed character that takes, that takes time, effort, imagination. Like that takes things. That's why, that's why people hire people to do it because yeah. it's not easy. So I understand where uh, Miss uh, Sam is coming from. Um, look, I, I this is one. Of, this is going to be one of those things where I ride the fence, right? Yeah. Like I get, I see both sides, and I see both sides equally, and I, I'm not going to fall on one way or the other. Like I, but it is an interesting conversation. 
I just I just don't see the harm in crediting someone in the main credits, whether they work at your studio or not. Like if they if they if they contributed significantly to the game, like I don't know, is there like back royalties that they're owed if that's if that's the case, if they don't work for the studio anymore? Like, if is that what it is? Like if they're credited in the game's credits, like they're owed something different? I don't know how game development contracts work, um, but I just don't understand why that's such a hard issue to parse or is it then like oh well if i let this person in do i you know have to let this other person also like list them as a writer because they contributed to x y or z i don't know like video game credits are 10 minutes long anyway like i don't i don't think that (laughs) adding you know a couple more names to the byline is gonna is gonna hurt things And, and at least you're giving people the proper accreditation that they deserve and I'm not saying that you need to put, you know, put her in the game. Like, it's not like, it's not like a Batman Bob Kane situation. So that if you make like the next, right. the next Ratchet and Clank game and she's, and Rivet's a character in it that you have to credit her as, you know, yeah, special Rivet. thanks to Siegel and Schuster for their character. Right. right? Like, like, like I, but I, I, I think you're right. I think, I think just, I think even a mention, right? Like not just like a special thanks, but like, character created by or you know something something of that effect right yeah. like especially because this game is like this game is a like a legacy this, ratchet is like ratchet and clank is like it's it's a known quantity at least in our circles right like yeah. it was a goddamn movie based off of for for, for god's sakes um ba- uh, just a little credit that says you know Ratchet character created by rivet character created by clank character created by, I don't see the harm in that. Now the question is, was it done maliciously? I'm getting the feeling that, that this person uh, is kind of intimating that this was done intentionally. Um, If it's done intentionally, like that's foul. But if it's not, if it, if it was a mistake, okay. But at the same time, like you can easily just say it was a mistake yeah, you know what I mean. Like I said, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of malicious intent if you're just telling an anecdote at a at a game developer conference presentation. Right. You know what I mean? Like I like I don't. I wouldn't expect someone, especially the lead designer of the game, to sit there and just like list every single person that was involved in in the making of it. So I I get the hard feelings, and again, not not to assume what Sam Maggs was feeling in this moment. Cause that's not very fair, but I would imagine that she's probably a little raw in the first place that her name was, you know, not accredited as she thought it should. And then this kind of triggered, you know, that response, which I think is a completely fair thing to do. Yeah. But I think her broader point um, is one that more people should talk about. And I've heard a few people talk about this uh, here and there. I think it deserves a broader discussion. And I almost wonder um, if this would be best addressed in the push for unionization, like I wonder if like a union could help arbitrate that discussion. So yeah, we'll see. I think they should though. Like I said, I think people should get credited for the work that they do and in, in, in the proper fashion. Yeah. Like if it's just about money, I mean like, uh, you know, you did the job, but, yeah. but at the same time, like, Oh, you really like this character. It was created by this person. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Speaking of unions. Uh, yeah. Speaking of unions, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the joke was the, the union leader was like, yeah, we like to thank 
Jeff Bezos for going up into space because that gave us time to create a union when his ass came down. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I, I love it, right? I love it. Like, <laughs> go to densepixels.com slash Amazon uh, for all of your uh, ratchet and clank needs. Go to densepixels.com slash Amazon. Let's, let's see what, uh, what ratchet and clank are, uh, what you can get. At, at densepixels.com slash Amazon. Um, okay, yeah, Ratchet and Clack. That's not um, <laughs> that's that's not right. Um, you can get a Jinx Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart Ratchet Small Plushie, uh, seven point five inches stuffed uh, figure from PlayStation Video Game for fans. Dot 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 for nineteen ninety nine. So you can get yourself a, a seven and a half inches of Lombax uh, by going to densepixels.com. That sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> by going to densepixels.com slash Amazon. Uh, they have a Ratchet one too. Ratchet is uh, on sale right now for fourteen eighty nine. Uh, I feel like that's I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of foul, man. I feel like that's real foul. You know, like Ratchet and Clank, right? They're a team, right? Like equal pay for equal work. You know what I mean? Like Ratchet wouldn't be able to Ratchet wouldn't be able to glide down without Clank. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't be able to make some of those jumps. Uh, and then where's the rivet doll? Come on, man. Come on. That you talk about erasure. I can't even remember uh I can't even remember the other <laughs> It was, it was Kit. Kit. There yeah. you go. See, erasure, man. Like, don't erase these women, man. Like, like they, they, they need to be here. Your, oh, your, 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 your brain, your brain erased the, erased the other character. <laughs> here, they do have a rivet doll. They do have a rivet doll. Again, on sale for fourteen eighty nine. Um, again, equal. You know, they're not the same price, man. Like, the, they, they are. Equal pay for equal work. So we are anyway. so we are to believe that Amazon is is not only not paying women's wages uh, as they need to, but also robot wages grossly underrepresented That's on right. Amazon as well. That's right. Come on, man. I don't know if Lady Lombaxes wear bras, but like they're gonna be burning them soon. Like you better start paying them equally. Even if she wasn't on sale, she's nineteen ninety eight, and Ratchet is nineteen ninety nine. Come on, man. You couldn't give it a penny. <laughs> Couldn't give her the penny. That's right. Oh one, my god! That's, that's one less fraction of a cent for us to be able to partake in when you buy these. Uh, when you <laughs> right. buy these stuff. <laughs> oh my oh, god! Uh, the April PlayStation games uh, that you get for free are available as you're listening to this. Uh, Hood Outlaws and Legends, the multiplayer Robin Hood game, uh, is available for free. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. The the remat the remaster that everyone was clamoring for now available for free. And once again, none of you have any excuse anymore to not play the finest roguelike deck building game in existence because Slay the motherfucking Spire is also available for free on the PlayStation. And I highly Highly recommend you check it out. I put it in my library. There you uh, go. And I was going to come on here and lie to you and say, I'll check it out. Like, I'm I'm probably not. <laughs> but 
<laughs> but I at least put it in my library. Look, if, if any of you have listened to me talk about this game on the show for the last three years and is like, yeah, it sounds interesting, but I don't want to pay for it. You don't have to now. You can just download it for free if you have a PlayStation. I think it's on Game Pass, too. So, again, none of you have any excuse. Um, speaking of Game Pass, a couple games coming to that this month. Uh, I will call out the notable ones. Uh, notably, MLB 22, the show, going to be available on Game Pass starting today on day one. Still kind of weird that that is that that is the case um but here you go uh dragon age 2 is available via ea play uh so is plants vs zombies garden warfare and star wars squadrons uh all available through the cloud i think the, i think you've been able to get them on the console but now they're available for the cloud uh the new life is strange life is strange true colors is going to be available april 12th uh lost in random again another ea game uh coming to april 14th and uh, the game that you really want to check out, all of you out there, uh, Cricket 22, coming to cloud and console uh, today. Here's a, here's a little Micah trivia. I will never forget um, uh, Dragon Age 2 uh, because the weekend that that game came out, my then fiance said she didn't want to marry me anymore. And then she left and went to PAX. God, was that that long ago that that, that, that <laughs> yeah, happened, man? That was a long time wow. ago, man. <laughs> that is over a decade at this point, and I still vividly remember uh, <laughs> helping you uh, get over your get over your uh, struggles at the bar, uh, which was funny because Micah famously does not drink. So, <laughs> y'all have a water, please. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had a couple beers, though, for sure. Um, a couple games came out this week. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga comes to every console imaginable. Uh, Chrono Cross The Radical Dreamers Edition comes out on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Demio comes out on PC. Green Hell VR comes to Oculus Quest. Uh, Slipstream comes to PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. And Dream Vibe comes to the PC. Wonder how many people are going to check out Chrono Cross. I never, I didn't get very far in it when I when I played it um, back when it first came out in the Halcyon years of two thousand. Um, didn't care for it that much. I remember. I uh, I always get Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger confused. Um, how <laughs> Chrono? <laughs> I mean, I, I get I get that, but like one of them was the seminal one of the seminal games of gaming history. And no, the other no, one was Chrono Cross. <laughs> right. Just, just the name. Just the name. Not the games. No, I, I don't get the games confused. I remember distinctly falling in love with one of them. Um, and just the name is just different. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some scuttlebutt uh, that was rumored uh, has finally reared its head. Uh, four United States senators have called for the FTC uh, to investigate and put a little bit more scrutiny uh, at Microsoft's $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Sheldon Whitehouse, and Cory Booker all sent a letter, a uh, joint letter to the FTC, uh, saying that the two companies have, quote, failed to protect the rights and dignity of their workers. Uh, workers at Activision Blizzard following years of rampant sexual misconduct and discrimination and unfair labor practices have led calls for greater transparency and accountability in the gaming industry. And we are deeply concerned that this acquisition could further disenfranchise these workers and prevent their voices from being heard. Um, ironically, 
<laughs> the merger is actually like the best thing for that company from that standpoint, yeah, I would okay. say. Um, first of all, get your politics out of my video game. There's really no point in why, why, why not, not everything has to be political except when it is, yeah. which is usually all the time. Um, you just don't realize it because you're not paying attention. I know who three of those people are. Um, who, who don't know? Oh, you don't know Sheldon Whitehouse? No, not particularly. Again, the, these are arguably the four most progressive senators in the United States Senate. So I'm not surprised that it's coming from them specifically. Um, it's just funny because yeah, typically when one giant company is swallowing up another giant company, uh, it does tend to negatively impact the workers of that company. Um, just from a workers rights standpoint, but I think this might be like the first case where actually the workers are probably better served by being <laughs> under Microsoft than under their current leadership yeah, at Activision kid. Blizzard. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Which is incredibly uh, ironic. Like, if anything, I'd be like, hey, like, you're not going to be giving Bobby Kotick, like, a $500 million parachute payment, are you? Like, in, <laughs> in this deal? Like, cause that's that's probably what you want to avoid. Um, but, yeah, they're casting some doubts that, you know, workers will be properly uh, recognized in this merger. Uh, I disagree, honestly. Like, I really think that this is probably it's probably better to let them let them go off with Microsoft. Yeah. See, uh, see the quote from that person from Undead Labs. We were afraid they would come in and change the culture. Yeah, save us, Microsoft. Our collapse came from within, and we could have really used their help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Look, look I'm not surprised uh, that the fun police don't want you to have uh, uh, Activision games day one through Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> But um, that, that's that, what I'm more disappointed about. Like that, that's why I'm not allowed to be a senator. One of the many reasons that I'm not allowed to be a senator is <laughs> like I'd be like now I have I have serious concerns about future Diablo games in the Diablo franchise not being multi-platform if this acquisition <laughs> were to go through. <laughs> I feel like that this needs to be addressed by the FTC to guarantee that all Blizzard games will still be playable on PlayStation consoles. Uh, in, in, in the future <laughs> you're like oh, you need to concern yourself with workers rights and be like no 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 like I need to make sure Diablo 5 is playable on my PlayStation 7 like that's 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 the big concern for me <laughs> I'm very curious about the uh, the you know they say both companies have a poor history of worker treatment I, I'm, I'm curious what the uh, what the Microsoft end of that is well see that's uh, a that's a I, I think a lot of that stems from Microsoft's previous run-ins with the federal government, uh, which Microsoft has a long and storied history uh, mm -hmm. of the federal government. Uh, basically, a lot of the reason that a lot of tech mergers really didn't happen in the early 2000s uh, was because Microsoft overstepped and got their hands smacked <laughs> very hard by the feds. And people and all of the big companies out there kind of looked at that and were just like, uh, we definitely don't want the same thing to happen to us. Like, it's one of the reasons why Google never got acquired by anybody when you would assume that Google, as they were on the come up, would have been like ripe targets for acquisition uh, from yeah. a bigger firm. But people were very afraid to, <laughs> to go after them uh, after Microsoft got smacked in the face uh, by the FTC during the Clinton years. So. I think it probably stems from that a little bit. Well, there you go. 
Uh, we turn to the Dense Pixels post office. We'll start with Daniel, who says, what are the odds that Bethesda does, does not learn from Hello Games and CDPR and many other games, quite frankly, uh, and overhype Starfield to an unachievable level? Um, I mean, that's their job, mm-hmm. right? Like, they have to they have to hype this game up. The, the, uh, the problem isn't overhyping the game. The problem is making sure the game works. Yeah. That's all they need to worry about. Like the hype, the hype is already here, right? The hype train, like people are, people are getting the coal so that they can shove in, in, into the engine uh, a little later on down the, in the, in the year. People are going to get hyped no matter what, because it's a Bethesda game and it's a new IP It's Skyrim in space. Mm -hmm. Like that I'm hyped off of that. Right. So I'm not, I, it's going to get hyped no matter what they need to focus on making sure that this game is playable. And I know that's a weird bar to set, but well, it's like, not, it's not that weird. I mean, but like, like you mentioned all these companies that overhyped and under delivered on their games. Uh, we can also throw Bethesda softworks into that mix as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the, with the debut of fallout 76. Now, while they did now, while they stealth dropped, Fallout 76, you know, during their E3 presentation just four months before it com- came out, they did promise like this grandiose, like, oh, this is going to be the online Fallout that you guys have wanted ever since Fallout 3 came out. And it's going to have everything that you could possibly want from this online Fallout game. And then when it released, it fucking sucked. Like it sucked hardcore and was not worth $60. And eventually had to become what was a def- I I don't think it's free to play, but I think it might as well be like as cheap as the game probably sells for. Carrie can definitely correct us if I'm wrong on there. Um, but I think that they can look in the mirror at their past failures as well um, in order to not overhype uh, this game that's coming out. And I, and I, th- I think generally Bethesda does a pretty good job of that. Um a lot of their partner games, uh, they don't sit there and beat you over the head with, you know, constant presentations and things like that. Like, I feel like most of their big games, like I'm thinking of Deathloop, I'm thinking of Doom and things of that nature, have been stuff that they've shown appropriately, but not oversaturated the market with yeah. this stuff. If, if anything, like with those last couple of releases, Deathloop, I'm thinking of specifically, they really left you wanting more. Like, like I remember like a month before that game came out before the final preview stuff started hitting uh, media, people were just like, I still don't really understand how this game works. <laughs> like it's until they started showing a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think they've done a pretty decent job. I think, uh, trust me, I think they learned a lot from the fall 76 debacle and are not likely to, uh, to repeat that again. So yeah, Johnny says with Zelda being delayed to 2023, he has a couple questions. Number one, do you think Nintendo will give us a holdover game for 2022 with a possible Wind Waker Twilight Princess HD combo? Uh, and then tinfoil hat time. Do you think this game is being delayed so it can be refined and tuned uh, for a possibly new or better Switch console releasing around the same time? Um, No and no. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I think to his first point. The rumor, the rumors are that they've had a Wind Waker like remaster, Twilight HD remaster um, in the works because all they would have to do is port the uh, Wii U version, the Wii version of the yeah. uh, the Wii U version of those games over because um, both those games did get 
remasters on the Wii U. So I wouldn't be shocked if that was coming. Um, besides that, we're already getting a holiday 2022 game from them and it's Pokemon. So, which I think is one of the reasons why they felt comfortable delaying Zelda in the next year. Um, on the hardware point. No, I think, I don't think we're at switch to times yet. And I think once the switch OLED came out, the, uh, the, the dreams of the switch HD, uh, have sailed at this point. Yeah. I don't, um, I didn't, I didn't, I never got a Wii U. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really know what the, the differences were between the, Wii. I can't remember what the differences were between the Wii and the Wii U. Um, well, the Wii U actually had a proper game controller. And fortunately with Twilight Princess, that game was also developed and released for the GameCube. So really they were just able to take the GameCube version of the game with, which had proper controls and just HD remaster it essentially. But it didn't feel like a, it felt like a, did it feel like a, like a PS4 to a PS4 pro or did it feel something less than that? I mean, less than it's still, it was still a Wii U. Like it's, it's, it's still like not, it's still, it's still not cutting edge hardware. Um, Put it this way. If they do this, it's not like Twilight Princess is going to look like Breath of the Wild. It's still going to look like Twilight Princess. And Wind Waker, fortunately, is has a very unique art style, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, I would love if they came out with Wind Waker. Wind Waker is, one, is, I think, the only 3D Zelda game that I have not ever played because I didn't it's have the really game good. Game. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's really good. That's what I hear. So. Uh, if they do release that, I will certainly check it out and probably uh, probably run through it because I've heard nothing but good things about it. And I, I like thought the- I was gonna I thought I was gonna hate that game just because mm-hmm. like uh, it's 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 he, he looks like a kid and he looks weird and right and like no I I really love that game yeah. that game was great I like that art style like I said everything I've seen of it like with the characters and stuff like that it looks it looks excellent I like I, you don't have to make things look the same all the time. It's, yep. it's fine. It's fine to vary up things like that um, and just kind of roll with it. And I think that that works out really well. So ironically, the, the game, the Zelda game that I thought I would like, uh, you know, the gritty realistic looking one, Twilight Princess, I never finished. Oh, really? See, I, I, I like Twilight Princess fine. Like it wasn't like my favorite Zelda game far mm-hmm. from, um, but I liked it just fine. Like I, I beat it. Pretty, I, I got all the hard containers like so I guess you know you could say I completed it as much as possible it was good it was good like I, I didn't hate the the slashing and shit like that with the Wii remote so that was a yeah. plus um Mark says with the tiers coming to PlayStation plus why does it seem like the main one that'll be worth it will be tier two after that the default tiers in second place with the premium one coming in third uh what are your thoughts on value I'm like Michael where I don't want to look back too much because there's so much out right now that it would just add way too much to my backlog um, we talked about value last week and we both think it's pretty decent for what's on. Yeah. Offer. Yeah. For me, myself personally, I feel as though if I was <laughs> going to get this one, uh, it would be tier two. I, you know, I just, um, I, I have no desire to, I don't, I don't have, I don't have a lot of time anymore. Uh, so the time that I do have, I want to spend on games that, um, I'm really, really going to love. And mm-hmm. I, it would have to be a phenomenal back catalog. Yeah. Right. And the PS2 has a phenomenal like slate of games on it. But like, 
I, I just can't see myself going back. So I, I think it is a good value, especially if you are um, a, a very, you know, big PlayStation fan, like you grew up on it and you are a connoisseur of older video games. Sure. But for me, uh, I'm one generation back and then that's it. Like, like let's move forward. I think for me, what really does matter um, is how, how good the cloud streaming is because PS3 games will have to be streamed from the cloud. Um, and PS2 and PS1 games and PSP games for that matter, you would hope would be able to be streamed effectively from the cloud. And if that's the case and you can remote play those games on your phone, um, I think that adds a lot of value there in, from that aspect. Um, my, my mindset is it's only $20 more a year to have access to that stuff. It's or $3 more a month. If you're, if you're going to pay it monthly, you're going to pay 15 anyway. Um, that's not a lot of money in my eyes. I think that's a, you know, that that's a throwaway amount of money that even if you don't get the true value out of that addition, you, you're not really hard done by it. So I, I honestly think like the second tier is probably the least value because you're paying the same price as you're paying for uh game pass, but you're not getting what the closest thing to the comparable game pass value is, which is the free, you know, game trials, which they're offering with the premium tier. Yeah. I'm curious as how that's going to work. I mean, they've like, done it before, like play, PlayStation plus, um, has tried that a couple times actually where they've done a free game trial with certain games where you could play it for like two hours uh, as part of your PlayStation plus subscription. And, you know, once you're done two hours, you have to buy the game, but your progress does carry over um, if you do end up buying the game. So <laughs> if they do it like that and they, and they put their new games on there, I don't think there's a ton of complaints because again, I don't think you're going to find too many folks out there that are going to tell you that PlayStation first party games have not been worth the money that you've spent on them. So, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I get that game pass, I get that game pass is a great deal in that respect. But as we talked about last week, it's foolish to expect all the other companies to do the same thing when you will pay $60 for those games. Yeah. That's the thing, man. Yeah. Like I'm going to buy those games no matter what. Yeah. I don't need a two hour trial for God of war. I'm going to buy it. Right. <laughs> like, so, uh, but you know, I'm in a, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm weird. Yeah. Uh, finally, not a question, uh, but just uh, John C. Uh, posting an image of all the black fe- black women champions uh, in wrestling right now with Bianca Belair uh, winning the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania with Sasha Banks and Naomi winning tag titles, Jade Cargill and AEW, uh, Trisha Dora, who I don't know, and Tasha Steeles, who I also don't know because I don't watch Impact. Uh, or other, I don't even know what wrestling company, yeah. uh, Trisha, Trisha, I mean, looking with. at that belt, like it, it's, <laughs> it might be, they might be the resurrection of that all black wrestling league. Back in the 90s. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Look at that belt. Got the motherland right on it. Any, I, any, I think that belt looks dope. Any, uh, any brief WrestleMania thoughts? I know we said we weren't going to watch it. I lied. I watched pretty much all of night one and I did tune in for the main event for night two. I didn't think it was bad. I I was entertained. It was big, dumb fun. It was the Michael Bay of WrestleManias, right? Like it was just really stupid, but, but you know, a lot of flashy colors. 
the right people won the matches that they were supposed to win. Um, they delivered on uh, uh, promises that and rumors and stuff like that. I think it was a. I think it was a actually a pretty a pretty great show, and it didn't and it wasn't a work day. Uh, yeah, you know, it being spread out <laughs> over two days. Even the stuff that was like, even the the like the like the Austin McMahon stunner, which was like <laughs> just the worst stunner ever. But like, yo, it was hilarious, right? Um, also, also made up for by Austin Theory and Pat McAfee both doing pretty good stunner cells themselves. Like Austin Theory yeah. is pretty great. <laughs> Pat McAfee, I like. Like, I think I feel like Kurt Angle did this one too. Somebody else has done it where you just stand straight up and then just fall backwards like a tree. Yeah. To do the yeah. cell. Like, I like that cell uh, that, that not a lot of people have done. Um, I thought night one was really good. Uh, unfortunately, they had all the best matches on night one. <laughs> like, like they, like they, yeah, they did. <laughs> and like, I know, I know the jackass match ended up good. Um, but night two was really lackluster compared to night one, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. but look, I thought, I thought Bianca and Becky started poorly, but ended greatly. Um, I was kind of worried at first cause I was like, man, these two don't seem like they have a lot of chemistry, but the match ended up in a really good place. Um, I thought the, uh, the KO, uh, the, uh, Steve Austin thing was really well done. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and and I and, yeah. <laughs> when he was when he was doing the stomps, I was like, oh, this is kind of sad, man. Like, well, yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, Stone Cold. I was like, come on, man. Like, you got to be able to stomp a little bit with a little bit more urgency than that. And then and then he geared it up. I'm like, all right, all right. Little, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get a, a Luthez press. I feel like we could have easily, we could have yeah. easily gotten one of those. Yeah, I um, look, I I I I really enjoyed. Uh, I think you like you said, night one was better than night two. Yeah. Um uh Bianca e- Like I said, even even Cody Rhodes, I enjoyed coming back, even though I'm not the biggest Cody Rhodes fan. I mean, it was the most AEW match I've ever seen in, <laughs> in WWE with, with with 85 false finishes. Yeah. But other than that, you know, uh don't do fucking false finishes like that with your finishers because it dilutes the effectiveness of your finishers, guys. Like yes. Three fucking finishes to put somebody down is not a testament to how strong the other person is. It's a testament to how weak your move is. Yes. Um, but like, aside from like, <laughs> on, on the look, flip I'm, side, I I was I was positively shocked uh, at the restraint shown uh, by Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns uh, in terms <laughs> of the amount of finishers in the match. Like, like I like even though we had like five spears. I fully expected like 10 and we only had one F five. If I recall correctly. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, I'm not a huge Becky Lynch fan, right? Like Becky just has go away heat for me. Like I understand her character is annoying, but like of the original, like four horsewomen, I think she is the weakest in terms of like abilities. Mm -hmm. Um, when her giving Bianca that black eye with that, like, I forget what it was. It was like a rolling, like, sent on off the top rope or something. Oh, shit yeah. Like she, she, I think she was going for, I think they were right. I think she was going for a sent on and she just under, uh, under, uh, under leaped on there. Man, it, it, inf- yeah. it infuriated me because I'm like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? And like, she knew she fucked up and they like, you know how wrestlers can talk to each other. Like she's checking to make sure she's okay and all that. And I'm like, 
you fucking god damn it get better like this is this is bianca's moment don't fucking ruin it i mean they um, look kind of badass though with her rocking around the black eye i'm not gonna lie so i mean <laughs> look, I, look i think bianca is the i think bianca is the prettiest woman in wrestling uh today and i don't need her face to have a giant fucking black eye on it god damn it um no but i but i actually really enjoyed that match towards the end and it was it was a it was a cathartic payoff for me specifically um yeah man look it was fun logan paul look i i I know people like hate those dudes but um that guy is an athlete Mm -hmm. and he did a really good job yo i can't i can't tell you how much i hate hearing pat mcafee's voice (laughs) I, i I really hate it. I really hate his his mid-Atlantic pencil tucky accent. And I understand that I have a bit of a mid-Atlantic accent also. But like it's so pronounced with Pat McAfee. I feel like I feel like I'd hate him more if he was a heel commentator. Like if he was was that obnoxious and he was a heel, I'd be more upset. I'm okay because he's not. Because he's Roman, uh, oh, the Romans in God mode. Oh, <laughs> like, uh, the alpha male of our species. Like, oh my God. Y- Yins know the Roman Reigns is going to be coming. <laughs> <laughs> shut the fuck up, man. But at the same time, yo, I got much respect for him for putting in that work in that match, man. Like, it was fun. It was. It I did was not really realize fun. he was as young as he is. Like, I forgot that he I retired from the he- NFL like stupid early. Yeah, I didn't realize he was like, in my 34 years on this planet, like, shut up. (laughs) Please get somebody to talk for you, even while you're on commentary. But but I I have a lot of respect for him um, because, like, yeah, he's a football player. He's a punter, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got I got to be honest. um, And I guess we'll leave it here. I don't need Vince McMahon on TV anymore, man. Nah. I agree. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad because like like the stunner the, like the stunner you know as being roundly mocked and it should, but to me like it's kind of the undergirding of like Vince just like yeah back in the day he could hang with that kind of shit when he was in his like fifties and and maybe early sixties, but I don't think he can do it anymore. Yeah, he's like what seventy seven. Yeah, he's super old now. <laughs> you take a break, guys. You you could take a break, dude. Yeah, like, it, it, like, well, like plus, plus he does, like he he start, he sounds like an old man now. Like he can't get that like McMahon like like yeah. sh- like like the angry voice anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it, it, like it's, it's it feels like a it feels like a quarterback that stays in the league for you know a season or two too long and and yeah. you immediately see the drop off. <laughs> um. And I love everything Seth Rollins does. I, I will I will follow that man to the end of the earth. Seth Rollins is um yeah, I, I'm not surprised that Triple H is like sees something in that guy because yeah. that guy is like that guy that guy's like Shawn Michaels, man. Like he can do he can do it all, man. He can do it all. And if he gets into a program with Cody Rhodes, I will be uh I will be I will be a happy uh wrestling fan because I think those two uh I think those two can go in every which way in the wrestling business. Um, I'm going to need Cody to not do his, um, his, his crying ass promos all the time. Though. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't do that every week. I can't do, I can't even do it once a month. It's just like, I get it. 
But like this WWE crowd is not the AEW crowd. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna be weeping from your from your 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 impassioned like <laughs> promos. Like I like Cody Rhodes, but I don't like Cody Rhodes as much as Cody Rhodes likes Cody Rhodes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like so, like just chill with some of that shit. Uh, that is it for the post office and therefore uh, this podcast. Uh, make sure you go to densepixels.com slash fans to join the Discord so that you too can ask us questions that we'll respond to every week. Uh, subscribe to the show and all the other shows in the TNP Studios umbrella wherever you download fine podcasts. Uh, make sure you go to youtube.com slash densepixels. Subscribe there as well. Just keep just subscribe everywhere. Subscribe everywhere. Follow everywhere. Twitch.tv slash densepixels. Dense Pixels Brad on Twitch, Suppets Carry on Twitch, Apparition 410 on Twitch. We we just want you to go to every website on this free internet and anywhere you see Dense Pixels, follow us. Twitter, wherever. There you go. That's what you should do. That's exactly what you should do. That's it for us. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, I usually do that in reverse order, so now I don't know what to say. <laughs> see ya. <laughs>